This episode of the Cutting Edge Podcast is brought to you by GlassGadget.com. Showcase Innovations creates tools that help shower door installers be more efficient and save time. Check out GlassGadget.com for more information. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming back again for another Wednesday afternoon live stream. Hope you're having an excellent week so far. I know I am. I got it pretty good over here. We're, uh, you know, always uh, always shuffling something around over here. But uh, yeah, if you uh, haven't done so already, be sure to go ahead and click on that link in the description to join us here on the call. And then you can chime in, uh, make a ruckus. Uh, express your your many opinions. Uh, <laughs> maybe ask a question. Maybe answer a question. Who knows? Maybe you can teach us something. I know I'm an old dog, but um, I can still learn some new tricks. Learning new tricks all the time. So anyway, yeah. Um, who has something? A question or a, or a comment or... Um, a bit of advice, anything like that? Got a got kind of a not a not a shower question, but I figure some guys here might have an opinion. <laughs> uh, we've been sanding mirrors for a lot of years, and glass dust drives me crazy. Does anybody have that does mirrors and polishes, you know, hand polishes in in house a way to address glass dust? That, that works. I've looked at buying sanders that have, you know, dust collectors built into them. Um, they work okay. My guys don't love them because they can't see the, the, the glass as well with that cover, you know, over the sander. So I was just wondering, it's not a, not a key shower question, but uh, something that everything's always covered in glass dust in our building on top of just regular dust because of where we're located. So anybody got any uh, really good ways to address that? I was a good way to address it, Billy, but I get I share the same frustration. We do a decent number of mirrors and we suffer the same thing. And uh, I think it's led to, especially when you're drilling holes in mirrors and whatnot too, you know, it scratches. And I'd, I'd love to hear if anybody's got any gems of wisdom. I was, you know what? You know, I, I was got taught to... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You first. I was, I was taught to wet sand uh, by hand. Mm -hmm. um which is what i do in in the shop uh because the dust is just it's crazy and even with the dust bag the collector it, it never i feel like not much of that dust ever really makes it into the bag i think it you know, goes into the go, bag and then it comes back out comes right back out <laughs> i mean it's a fine fine dust but I, I that's how i was taught i was taught the wet sand so i'll you know i'll put some paper towels on top of the mirror and get a little bucket of water with a sponge and i'll just I'll hold my sponge right at the top of the belt. Um, so it's mm. constantly getting water wherever my belt is. Um, it's a little bit of a mess, you know, at once all said and done. Um, but I mean, you could always take like mirror safety backing and you could, you could back the whole surface of the mirror. So all that mess is collected on top of the, the safety backing. And then you could just peel it up as opposed to just wiping off the mirror. Um, I mean, you know, 
I don't know. That's what I, that's what I do. Uh, you know, it keeps the dust down. It's, it can get messy. You know, the floor can get pretty wet. Uh, if you have rubber mats, you know, like some of those ones they have in restaurants where they have the holes in them for like the liquid to go through. Um, so at least you're not kind of standing in a puddle of water, but that's my, uh, that's my two cents. I don't know if it's you worth know, two cents, but that's it. Do you know some of these baby boomers are probably laughing at us right now talking about this? <laughs> yeah, right. What's a hand sander? I have a guy that's 70 years old, man. All he does is all shop work and sands all day. I go, man, if I live up to 70 years old and still sanding, hey, man. Stuff's good for you, man. Make you live a yeah. long time. Yeah, I, I mean, your lungs honestly, filled with that stuff, I, and it's like you're, you know, unstoppable. It's it it is what it is. I mean, it's like uh, I have no no solution for that one. <laughs> I mean, you, you you get an upright sander, a wet sander, and and use that. I have one of those. Yeah, but a full a full size mirror, man. There's just no way. Oh, there's no there is no way. I mean, we got little, we used to do that. Like, really. Yeah, we used to mirror? pile sheets on, on a yeah on an upright four inch. Two guys in the you know one guy would kind of control the the polish at the front of the belt, and the other guy would kind of leapfrog from side to side to help hold the weight. It wow. was yeah, it was pretty intense. It was crazy with some with some big sheets of glass. It got you know yeah, you, had be, you had to you had to be on your game for sure. But that was. I mean, that was how I learned. That was how I was taught. I mean, there was just two of us in the shop, yeah. my uncle and I. And uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it was uh, it was crazy, but we did it. Wow. Yeah, we have we you know our old Samaka has the rollers on, and you just get in and roll it. But big sheets, yeah, that's kind of sketchy. But yeah, I was just taught just <laughs> hey, it is what it is, man. I mean, you're gonna. Yeah, I, I was taught old school, so it's kind of like uh, I have no solution for that. But no, I can remember uh, way way back, you know, guys doing that, like what even like using a spray bottle, um, mm -hmm. like have one guy with a spray bottle just spraying it down, you know, and keeping it wet, you know, the the other guy polishing it. I mean, water is a good solution. I even remember guys using um, WD forty. <laughs> oh, um, to get like that nice kind of a machine polished kind of looking edge um so if you use a little oil you know wd-40 or something like that you can actually get kind of that nice you know what i'm talking about factory looking they edge. A, they have a can of spray oil for the sanding that we use all the time we spray our belts and that helps a little bit yeah. then we have a we have a double upright you know stand-up sander that we use when i first started with my dad we'd have one with a 120 with a yellow with a 400 on it and we flat polish cells mirrors all the time on that thing yeah i mean when i started out i mean that's everything was hand polished really i mean there very few places had uh i think there was like one shop in town that had um some polishing machines and everybody would just like bring them their mirrors to get them polished if they if they needed to be polished machine gun. but otherwise it was like you know everybody was doing it by hand uh, the guy that works for me he told me these because we use a rock and uh freaking something else and that's how they used to polish yeah like, a rock and a little spit 
or something. Yeah. Out yeah, rock and, they would tell me that's what they had. Like I'm like a <laughs> couple of couple of sticks, you know, <laughs> rub them together really fast. I guess. Uh, <laughs> like the Flintstones, no, you know. No, they had, no, they had like this this rock and it was rough, and they would use that to uh to get the sharpness off the glass. I mean, I don't know how good it was. But. No, that that's actually a real deal. There's actually it used to be a tool. How many of you guys remember that? It was like an aluminum little box with two little um stones in them, right? Yeah, the, yeah. right. And it was yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I think I still have one of those. The edge I, of the glass, knock the, yeah. the sharp edge off. Yeah, I still have one of those. Yeah, we thought <laughs> we used the babble twenty years ago. Hey, hey, Billy, are you? Are you polishing, hand polishing all your mirrors in house, like even even big stuff, or is it just pretty much the little stuff? We're seaming everything, obviously, but we do polish some exposed edge stuff that's that's decent size, depending on where it's going. Okay. You and usually some you stuff you order out. Down and oil it. Hey, uh, Chris, here's your. Uh, oh, there it is. That's what it. do you call that thing, Tim? There it is. I don't know. <laughs> Show it again. Why am I not surprised if Tim just pulled that off the shelf? <laughs> Bam! <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Got it at arm's length. Ready to go. And you can just uh, do a quick seam on the glass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Keep you from getting seamed. Right. with that yesterday. He yeah. seemed it yesterday, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Probably only forty years old, you know. <laughs> right. Almost as old as you, huh? Yeah. Well, that tool, that tool likely is older than me. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we oil, I mean, we'll oil the edges and do that kind of thing. It's just, you know, when my guy's running through, I mean, we, we tried to back off the mirrors and we've been ordering case after case, you know, with, with you know, tying them in with shower jobs. Um, it seems like we're doing more mirror now than we were five years ago. Um, You're doing so, more than when you were trying to, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, I love putting mirror with showers. It's great because you, you make good margins on it. I don't do I don't, uh, we don't do mirrors by themselves very often unless it's a like a workout yeah. facility or a, a home gym. But mm -hmm. tying them in with showers, we uh, we love doing that. You know, so my guy, yeah. my shop guy that does our retail as well does our mirrors, um, and I'm just trying to clean up his space. You know, just in general. Uh, and I'm always playing with ideas on how to how to do that. But he's by himself. We don't have another person that's regularly in that space to work with him. And he's using like a Makita sander. He's not using a belt sander. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what he's comfortable with. We've played with different sanders and that's what he likes. So like a disc a sander, you mean? Yeah, disc sander. Yeah. See, I, I like that better yeah. too myself. Dude, I would like your guy to come. He doesn't want to come work for me. He seems like my kind of type of dude, man. I, I uh, probably have. I bet he's just like the guy that works for me, man, in the back. You sing. This, like. this dude is this dude is uh forty years old. He's forty forty one. He's he's pretty young for a uh, shop guy. Uh, I'm forty years. Really I'm forty years old. Yeah, I'm forty. Uh, the guy Most uh, shop guys like, you see are older. Yeah, uh, my shop guy is like yeah. seventy, man. <clears throat> I go. Do you ever want to go home? He goes, no. He doesn't want to go home. He doesn't <laughs> no. want to play. He wants to tell like, hey, man, don't make me feel Right, man. That's the only way he gets away from his, his uh, family. Like, no, no, this is my, this is my peaceful way. I mean, like, damn, okay. <laughs> I mean, he's he's going to die freaking in front of his sander. 
and his table. <laughs> That's hilarious. Don't make me go home, man. Don't make me work. He, he's the one that taught me how to measure, how to cut glass, how to all the little fine details of glass. He's the one that taught me all that. So I'm pretty, I could do, I could do almost anything under the glass, glass family, except for like curtain wall. Storefront. I know I do storefront, but not like the big, you know, uh, you know, big old buildings and stuff. I, I'm, I'm more lower guy, but yeah. But he's the one that taught me, he taught me a lot of stuff, shower doors. He's, he was my little, you know, um, that 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 person you know my mentor mm -hmm. appreciate that guy those old and those old guys are going away man it's so sad yeah trying this sucks <laughs> <laughs> trying to get out of here what do you <laughs> i started out with a porta cable belt sander and we just wore it out three years ago so that thing is a good I want. I want how old it was. You got your money's worth out of that one. We probably had the brass gear in it. Probably wore out. You know, ah. that was the greatest thing we had. You know? And they don't make them like that anymore. Hey, I got a shower door question. Conversation. A different Yay! Way, but... Shower door question. <laughs> what is know. the? What's the biggest door? I guess I'm. Um, I got an opening. It's 38 wide and it's 84 tall and they just want a single door. Um, for you guys that are using either FHC or uh, CRL pivots, what, I mean, is that door too big or have you done doors that big? For pivots? Yeah. I think, I think you could do pivots with that. How wide? I know Bill Dobbins pivots can handle it. You would probably want to offset the pivot though. I don't know that you'd want to use the standard offsets with that. You might want to move your pivots in mm -hmm. if you could. If you could, you didn't say the thickness of glass, Mike. Well, I'm quoting them half, uh, half inch on that. All right. So what are you? Thirty-eight by what? Eighty-four. So three by seven, twenty-one. Twenty-one times seven. If I rounded it out. 21 times seven. I'm trying to do it in my head, but I don't make a mistake. For weight. Anybody got a phone? 147. What's 147. Uh, 150 pounds. Yeah. 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 You could you could do that. You could do it in half inch, but like Brian said, I would offset the pivot hinge. Don't have it out at the end. So are you attaching it to a soffit or a header? Uh, wall, actually. Uh, th these ceilings are like 10 feet tall. Uh, it's a door with a buttress inline and a, and a 90 degree oh. return. And he oh. wants a single, he wants a, uh, he doesn't want a header, you know, and, and, uh, and he wants, uh, he wants that opening to be wide. You know, he's probably 68 or nine years old uh, in case they have to get a wheelchair or something in there. I, I'm pretty sure FHC and CR Lawrence is not going to allow it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, CR Lawrence pushed back on it. Um, would you do? Would you consider a three eighths door? And, you know, which is going to be a little less weight, but use yeah. like say a, uh, a half a, hit, a pivot for uh, half inch glass and just pad it out with uh, uh, bumpers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do it, but 
Is your wall that you're attaching to pretty stable? Don't tell yeah. me it's a pocket wall. No, it's it's stable. It's studded. You know, it's the whole. Uh, uh, yeah, you could do it. Yeah. In three eighths, not a problem. Not not with our hinges anyhow. I mean, with our hinges, not a problem. Mm -hmm. I yeah. just don't think that the other software is going to allow you to do it. Yeah, you could you could step up to like the senior, you know, senior premium, senior Cardiff. Okay. And it you would be okay. Will it? Okay. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I know go with the, the hydraulic. Yeah. Portals has a heavy duty pivot. Portals. I didn't think of portals. I think it handles a it, I think it's rated for a 36 inch wide door. I think it's like 145 pounds. Uh, here, I'll look. You were a little wider than that, right? Yeah, I'm a 38. Yeah. Should but be okay. You know, like the hydraulic uh, patch hinges would put a transom up above if they'll do that. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention to, to it being that wide. There isn't CRL doesn't have anything that can handle that, not a pivot. No, no, no. The heavy duty wall mount hinges, I think they have some that are rated for that. They do. They do. Yeah. You could go to a wall mount hinge and get Absolutely. that get away with that size door. Oh. Can you use three hinges on it or two? Yeah. You can get away with two. Yep. Yeah. Like the yeah. Victorian hinges, um, yeah, they can have like forty, like forty inches wide. Brian, you said CRL has that one that that'll handle a wall-mounted hinge that'll handle that that big of a door. Victorian and Plymouth, Plymouth yeah. and Victorian from CR Lawrence, and I think it's a Pasadena and uh, um, a Valor maybe from FHC. Yeah. So the Valor. Right. The velour is 145 pounds and the door width is 40 inches from the velour. So you're okay there because I figured at half inch at 147 for pounds. So at three eighths, you're, you're fine. Okay. Well, I appreciate the input. Uh, I know he's got a two by six turned on its side. So I got plenty of studying in there. So. Nice. There you go. Going to need yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Oh, good question. With those tweeners, and you've all seen them, you know, you don't want to put a, like, say, a 28 inch door with a, a notched in line. You know, they built that, with, they're older and they build it with, uh, you know, the, the desire to have a, a wide entry. And, you know, I, I, we've all faced that. You want it to aesthetically look good. You want it to function like they want it to function. So this at 38, I mean, I've done several 36s, but. At 38, the CRL kept, you know, saying no, no, no. But anyhow, uh, I appreciate that input. I'll, I'll, I'll look into that in the morning. Good. Yeah, they built it without asking you first, all right? Exactly. They built it and tiled it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's how they do I, it. I'd put a header on it just saying, that's just me. Whether they want it or not, I'd put a header on it. If they're elderly, make it super rigid. But that's, that's just my thought. There you go. Billy, if you're doing a header, you'd still do wall mounts? No, I'd pivot it. Yeah. Then I can okay. set the pivot point wherever I want to. Right, exactly. Okay. 
Well, how do you determine then how far in to, to push that pivot? You know, I mean, I don't know how you determine that load, uh, how much less of a load you have, you know, if it's out on the end versus what's the, you know, X equals what on that bottom? <laughs> I don't have a calculation try to for get that. Them, yeah, I'm going to try to get them uh, as close to 36 as possible, you know, so they have a clear opening. But, you know, I think ADA shower is 30. 33 or something like that around there. So I'm going to get them in that range and convince them that's the best option. You could probably use the general uh, max suggested width of what that pivot would handle and offset it so it's kind of around that number. That's smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's a smart approach. And then... Oh, so from the pivot, from the pivot, so if, if it's say this door, the the uh, the uh, hinge or pivot sides to the right. So if you move that, if you got a 38 inch wide opening and you move that pivot in by to the left, say two inches, two and a quarter inches, that's going to give you 36 or 37 and a half inches, right? Is that right? Yeah. Five and a half inches. Is that what you mean, Brian, by moving it yeah. in? Yeah. If that, if that pivots, you know, if the, recommended max door width of that particular pivot is 36 then you would be within that you would be within that number okay. well you want probably want to take into account the, the fact that they're already accounting for that little bit of an offset to the center of the pivot anyway to the center but, of the cutout yeah oh so yeah so kind of maybe subtract whatever that is you know you know what i'm saying because it can handle like they're saying 34 inches and the the hinge is like four inches wide. They've already figured for that two inches um offset to center. But, that, but I think in, but I think you're on the right track for sure. Yeah, just keep in mind though that the weight of the door is the weight of the door, no matter where you put the bottom hinge. Exactly. The weight, weight yeah. is pushing down in that. So it still has to be rated accordingly for that. Yeah. Or it'll wear out the quickly. The finger is 145 pounds. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're Dana, okay. Dana Higabotham's in the uh, chat room. He's saying it's 140 pounds for Victorian. Uh, uh, so, so you can, um, it's pretty close though. I'm ta still talking about the wall mounted heavy duty hinges. But uh, I'm, I'm not sure really off the top of my head what um, like the senior Prima. Um, can hold as far as weight. Someone can Google it really quick, I'm sure. I was thinking one fourth. Yeah. So you guys are talking about getting old. So what's your guys' plan? Um, <laughs> you know, once that time hits, are you selling the company, passing it to your employees, to your family? What's the plan? Well, what I did was um, I decided to go ahead and merge with um, GCS class. And then um, so that I can spend the last, these next few years kind of working my way out of being the number one, you know, laborer um, at my company, you know? So, I mean, it's hard when you're like just a, a little like mom and pop place without, you know, without a bunch of employees. 
just to get out of um, get out of the mix because it's a lot of work going from that to having a whole crew that can just take over and let you leave. Um, so I was just able to find a bigger company that was was interested in partnering with me, you know, and um, kind of let these younger guys come in. This is the theory, right? These younger guys get in there and, um, and uh, you know, ramp it up and get a bunch of other people in here. And then I can kind of work my way towards um, a less labor intensive uh, position. And ultimately, I'm I'm only like, I'll be 58 this year. So I'm still a pretty young guy, you know. I could see myself, you know, I could, I mean, I could work at the pace I'm working now for, you know, another five years for sure, you know. So um, that amount of time, I think we could easily uh, get this Santa Cruz location ramped up to where we're killing it. And they don't even really need me. They want me out of here, you know. Like Chris, man, stop coming in here. It's like you're just in the way. Old, <laughs> go home. So. Subject. I, I'm interested in that subject. I'm 61 years old, and and you know I don't have a uh, a person who's interested in it. But have the, those of you who have sold a company, or I guess maybe purchased a company. How I'd be interested in hearing how you did it. Did you go through a broker if you were a seller, for instance, and you know, to me, that's a sensitive subject because you're you kind of almost uh, uh, don't want your employees to know what's going on, so they don't all take off. But I just I'm in the beginning stages of of uh, maybe setting this thing up for uh, sale. I'd be curious to hear some experiences, whether you were a buyer or a seller, and how you, you know if you were a buyer, how'd you come up? How'd you come upon it? Good question. Yeah, I can tell you that we sold our first one up in Massachusetts through a broker. So when I was up there, uh, and they were really good. They were based out of Boston. They did a, did a re really good job. And, you know, we started down here. So we started from scratch, and we didn't buy anything when we started in Florida. But up in Massachusetts, yeah, I definitely used a broker. Did you start your business from scratch in Massachusetts, Bill, or did you buy yeah. something? You, you no. Did? Sorry, from scratch there too. I and the one up there, Mike, is exactly what you're doing. I was the closet made dealer uh, up there, so I was doing closet made mirrors, shower doors, toilet paper holders, towel bars, yeah. numbers on the house, mailboxes, all that stuff, hmm. all the specialty items. And then the guy that bought it eventually sold out uh, the closet business to somebody else. He split the company sold out the closet business to somebody else and just kept the shower door part of it. Yeah. And that was after I left. But the broker brought in, uh, brought in some, you know, uh, interested party. They did all the vetting. So mm -hmm. that, that was the good part. I didn't have to deal with all of that. So did you use a particular type of broker? In other words, uh, are brokers just an, a, a generalist? You know, they want to sell business. They can help you maybe analyze it or value it and then uh, maintain yeah. your privacy. I mean, if I knew then what I knew now, I probably would have done it differently. But for the size of the business, I mean, up there, the one in Massachusetts, I think the best year we had was one and a half million. And that was back in, two, in the year 2000. 
So I think the broker we used was fine for what for what we had. But Did he help you value it by chance? Yeah, they, but they do that all the time. And yeah. you know, the value is only a book number. It's really what yeah. the what the market's going to pay you. And how important is your business to who's ever buying it? You know, is it a strategic buyer? Is it an equity buyer where they just want to roll it into a conglomeration of other businesses that they own? And you might be a strategic part of that. Or is it a, let's say in your company, maybe California closets and they want to do shower doors along with their wooden closet shelving or maybe a company like Budget Blinds that wants to have another line of business tied in with them. Mm -hmm. So it depends on, on who buys it or who's interested. I went to a lot of seminars about it up there and it learned a lot because they do a lot of case studies of other businesses that sell and who buys it and you know how they come about valuation of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've been, this is my 20th year and you know, I guess you don't get very many do-overs, you don't get any. And in hindsight, as I look back, I've always been somebody who in the beginning was afraid we weren't going to make it. And then, you know, your head's down and you're working and I've worked in the business. You know, we talked in this, uh, um, this meeting a long time ago about uh, the, the one book there, um, the name, I just drew a blank. But um, one of the things, and looking back, if I had to do it over, I think as an owner, one of the most important things you can do is build an organization and not just be the guy. You can't, Absolutely. now that I'm at this stage, I'm still heavily involved and we have created more of an organization, but I'm still, and I don't say this to pat myself on the back, I'm still too down in the weeds. I'm still, you know, estimating, looking at jobs, making decisions. And, and I think, damn, you know, in 20 years, I needed to be the guy that can walk in on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. This is being too cavalier probably, but say, how are we doing? You know, did you win this job? But that development of that organization. And um, I, uh, I mean, I, there's, there's still time to develop people and, and it's still an attractive, I think it's an attractive business, but man, if I had to do it over, it'd be, how do I remove myself from that down in the weeds thing? Um, Hardest thing to do, Mike. It's the hardest thing to do because yeah. it's your baby. You started it from scratch. It's your baby. Yeah. And it's really, really hard to, to do that because a lot of the customers you have are relationships that you built. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and you walk away from that and it opens up the door for them to shop to somebody else or for whatever reason, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's the hardest thing to do. I'm just lucky that I had two boys behind me that, you know, if I did take time off, at least they were covering for it. Yeah. I, I'm, like I said, I have a very unfair advantage by having the, the two boys and a wife that are all involved in the business. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's a great, that's a great situation to be in. Yeah, at times. <laughs> you know, it, I, at more times than it, it's not an advantage. Yeah. There's times that it's not, but for more times it is. Yes. Yeah. There's a really good book called The E-Myth. Um, yeah, that's the, that was it. I couldn't think of the name. What's it called? Yeah. It's called The E-Myth e e by it's uh, Michael Gerber. Mm -hmm. And the new version is called uh, The E-Myth Re uh, Revisited. Oh, E-Myth. Yes, e -myth. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. 
And it's great. You know, it's, it's um, just talks about how to set up your, your business from the, it's inception um, to, to run without you. Basically it's the whole, the whole idea is like set up a business that will work without you in it. Yeah. Mike, your business is more valuable if you set it that way, because the people with a lot of money, the real investors that buy business all the time, that's what entices them. Mm-hmm. Can they buy it and, and automatically be that guy that can come in on Tuesdays and say, okay, let's look at these reports and analyze it. Mm-hmm. They're not in the weeds. They're not making those decisions. You've got to set up that organization. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree. Like I said, you look, you lift your head up and 20 years goes by and, you, and, and uh, yeah, absolutely. That's and, it. It's and, like, I read that book, but I read it like 15 years after I started my business, you know, so it's like, right. <laughs> you got to read it once a year. You got to read it once a year and just keep going through it. It's almost like drawing out your business plan. Put your mm-hmm. five-year plan in there, set your goals of, you know, every year you got to hit this and adjust it every year. But if you write it down and now you have a, a vision and a focus, you'll follow it. Mm-hmm. it's if you just go day to day to day and you don't really have that even the team behind you doesn't know where you're steering the ship so have that focus and everybody will work towards the same thing love it mm-hmm. yes yes indeed it, that's a great topic. You know, lots of times we get focused on just shower doors, but you have to look at it. We're all business people mm-hmm. and you're in it. Yeah. Shower doors is the means to make the money, but you still have to manage your money. You got to manage your people. You got to manage your organization, your inventory. There's so many other things. It's not just the technical aspects of, will this door fit in here? And that's good for, you know, this group, but we're all business owners. I'm, I'm looking at the screen here. We're, we all own our business. And you, mm-hmm. if you want an end game, yes, you've got to set it up so that the business can run without you or have a family member. And you're setting that family member up to be the next in line. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah you got to, you got to do it. When I first bought my business, uh, I was getting help from this incubator, uh, small business incubator up here. Yeah. Where we were. And uh, uh, I was trying to gather the paperwork and some financials. And a woman uh, that I was working with um, asked me one day, she said, what's your, um, I hadn't even bought it yet, but she said, what's your exit plan? And this, I've never owned a business before. This is the first one. And I looked at her and I said, what are you, my exit plan? I said, I haven't even bought the thing yet. Well, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And she said, oh, in five years, you'll be tired of it. You'll want to leave. And I, I, you need to consider how you're going to set it up so you can get out of it. And, you know, went in one ear, not the other. That woman was spot on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's something that you, you know, you think about, you get down in the weeds and you don't think about it, but that is such a, I think that's something that, I think that's something you absolutely have to have in the back of your mind, whether it's day one and you're getting in or it's 10 years in or whatever, I do think, you need, you know, how is, is it, how attractive, how am I going to make this look attractive to somebody who might be interested in it? So. Sure. But you know, you got to do that with your own personal money too. I mean, yes. you get out of high school or out of college and you got to think, okay, what's my budget? How am I going to handle my budget? What am I going to do? When do I want to retire? When do I want to do this? Yeah, or buy yeah. my next investment. It's always managing that 
and, and staying on focus. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Mike, I fell into the exact same thing as you did. You know, you, I'm in the weeds every day. And I say to myself, the business can't run without me, can't run without me. And I was full of myself. It runs better when I'm not doing it every day. Mm-hmm. You give it to the people and they're young and aggressive and you just watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, Don and I scratch our head every day. It's like, I, I can't believe that it's running as well as it's running. And, and I'm not involved like I used to be. Yeah. It's actually better. Yeah. Glad Good. you finally got out of the way, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I was listening to Michael talk, and it reminded me of that saying about, like, the two happiest days in a boat owner's life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spot on, Chris. Uh, uh, yeah. But I tell you, if I had it to do over, I wouldn't do anything. I mean, I'd stay in this business. I love this business. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I enjoy the heck out of it. I think yeah, I, it is. It's a great industry with not a lot of uh, uh, competition. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of it. I mean, you look in the yellow pages or what used to be yellow pages, but you know, there are painters are a dime a dozen, sheetrockers and carpet guys and flooring guys. They're a dime a dozen. There's very few glass guys. I, I agree with you. I, th- I wish our industry, or and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to to do it here. I, I feel like we're the um, stepchild of the the trades. You know, you hear about carpenters and electricians and masons and whatnot. But um, I talked to some young guys. I said, look at look at the structures as you go through a neighborhood, a city. What do you see everywhere? And uh, it's glass and whether you want to be a glazer, you know, a, a commercial glazer, a res, or lean residential, I said, there's new buildings, so they need mirrors and shower doors, et cetera. But I don't think our industry has done a good enough job promoting it and, and, and showing the value in it. You know, um, back here where I am up in North Central West Virginia, the coal mines have always been paid the big money. Or if you got in the power plants, they paid, you know, good money. Um, well, I had my payroll company do a, uh, a, uh, an analysis. I said, Show, can you do a peer review? And there's not a whole lot of glass companies up here. I said, but do a peer review and say, like, compare my employees' salaries and benefits that I offer to, say, like an HVAC company where, you know, they have vans, they go out, they got to meet with a customer, they got to provide an estimate, as you guys know. Then they go in somebody's house and they install it. So things like that. They came back and said, we were in the top 1% of, you know, peer industries in North Central West Virginia for what I'm offering my guys and gals who, who work for me. And I'm not saying that to, to brag on myself. What I'm saying is I tell these people when, I, when I'm looking for workers, I'm like, this isn't, this isn't some podunk, you know, this is a career, man. You could go work anywhere in the United States if you learn how to do this stuff. A shower door is a shower door is a shower door, if you will, whether it's in West Virginia or Florida or, you know, California. And, but anyhow, I just feel like it, the industry hasn't promoted itself um, uh, as well. Cause I, I think the, I think it's a great industry. I mean, I get fired up talking about it. You know, I, So I talk about it at career days, you know, fortunately I've got the time to be able to deal with the schools, but Mike, the reason is, is because 90% of glass shops are mom and dad shops, mom and pop shops. Yeah. We don't have the time to go promote it. You're, you're running yeah. your own business. Yeah, right? very true. It's very just true. because of that. And, you know, 
again, I'm fortunate. I got the time to be able to get out. And when I do, I do talk about that to the industry. And that's why I'm doing it to try and get us more help and continue to grow. Yeah. But you're right. When I was a mom and pop, I couldn't, I wouldn't have time for that. So I didn't do a good job promoting it. Not at all. Yeah. I mean, is there some way that we could um, band together to, to have an effect on that? All right. There always is. We could get, um, I mean, again, it takes time. It's like, we just can't say, okay, we're going to form a group and do it. You got to put the time in. you got to go to the, to the school departments and say, hey, look, it, you must have a career and educational guidance counselor or somebody that we can get to. And you could set up internships at your company for people who want. And depends how big your company is. Like we take them on for sales. We take them on for order entry because we have a whole system set up. You know, they sell it in the field, but then order entry puts everything into the computer system. Um, then we've got a whole shop. So we've got all, you know, CNC programmers and it goes all the way down the line. But if I'm looking at just the installation part of the company, um, installers, uh, guys in the shop that do the prep work. So we'll take interns on for that. And that's how you get them started. See if they like the industry and then throw them in a truck with a guy for a day or two and see if they like going in the field. Mm -hmm. Just got to give them a taste of what the job's like. Nobody really has an idea until they get out there and do it. Right. But the day flies by, you know, when you're installing, before you know it, the day's gone. And, you know, compare that to working in retail where you go in at 10 and you work till seven at night and it's just boring. Mm -hmm. You know, these guys that are security guards at these communities. Sure. My God, you can, you, it's an easy target for you to get. Mm -hmm. Or, servers at some of the fast food restaurants i guess we talked about that last week or week before how chick-fil-a does such a great job mm -hmm. hiring people you know throughout the whole industry they do a great job getting good people now granted ours has more physical um requirements than chick-fil-a you know handling glass being safe driving a vehicle right but you get the right people and you focus on it boy you can grow you can. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and really I realize whenever um, I do have somebody helping me, it's like, it's like, wow, this is actually pretty easy. You know, when you're doing it by yourself, it's like, it's, it's heavy. It's like hard, you know, then I get another guy on the, on a piece of glass. And I'm like, wow, man, this, this is like 70, I'm carrying like 75 pounds or something like that. It's like nothing I could get, you know, I get my wife out here doing this, you know? So as long as you've got, like, you get people working together, it's really not that hard of a job, you know? No. no. So, I mean, it's like a, a delivery driver has to lift 75 pounds, you know, all day long. Right. So um, it's really not much more than that, usually, especially if we're talking about shower doors, you know, it's like some of them get pretty big, but yeah, average ones like, you know, like a 28 inch, three eighths door, 80 inches tall. What is that? Like about 70, 75 pounds. Like that. Yeah. So, and with your gadgets and leverage and everything else, you know, it's, it's really not all that bad. Exactly. Yeah. Learning how to, yeah, how to lift in a smart way and 
yeah. move in a smart way. Hardest thing is going upstairs, not dinging the walls, you know, yeah. watching the corners, all that stuff. That's why I like putting them in teams of two. You get a guy on each end of the glass or holding the corners. Yeah. You know, less chance of damage, less chance of injury. That is it. I mean, that's the number one thing. It's like there's a lot of stuff you can do solo. And I've, you know, of course, that's been like a big part of like my whole career. But um, I always say, I mean, I never deny the fact that like, I, you know, I damage more stuff, you know, by myself. There's just no way around it. I mean, you're going to have, you're going to make more mistakes because you don't have somebody checking your math all the time. You don't have somebody, you know, when you've got a partner, you know, you're always watching each other, you know, so chip more glass, you know, break more things or things wrong, you know. So, I mean, um, the, the, the amount of money you make up on labor, you kind of lose in breakage, it seems like. It's yeah. about a wash, you know. I'm I'm more worried about somebody hurting their back. You yeah, know, just lifting it awkwardly, trying to pitch it in a tight bathroom and not hit the toilet or whatever. Oh yeah. You know, Chris, to your theme, um, go. You know, again, doing things. There's one thing about working by yourself, but like, uh, you know, trying to be all things. That's another thing I learned the hard way too, and and developing standards and processes and and you know kind of sops if you will for your business uh again i didn't do any of that i talk i'm talking now but you know i'm scrambling like hell to have implemented those over the last couple of years but you know i just recently hired a, a, a designer we do closets as uh i mentioned before but she's a designer but i'm teaching her the shower door programs too and the beauty of new people, when it was just me trying to go out and measure 10 of them a day, come back and design them, you do miss things. This girl is, a, 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 this woman, I should say, you want to talk about attention to detail. She has picked up, you know, those that extra set of eyes. And then I have a scheduler. She sees things. It has made us a better company because I'm not trying to do everything. It, it has made us less mistakes when I when I'm not making every decision so your point is well taken i mean those other sets of eyes and detailed you know people who dot the eyes and cross the t's has saved me a hell of a lot of money in the last two years absolutely you know mikey a good exercise to look at is go back you know if you've got your accounting on computer look mm -hmm. at the gross revenue did three years ago and then you know, if you're running QuickBooks, just set the date. Mm -hmm. So let's say year to date to uh, August 1st, or let's say to July 1st, year to date. And let's say, let's use a million dollars as your as your revenue. And then go down to your bottom line and take a look at what your net profit is after all of, uh, all of your expenses, right? How much did you actually make? Then forward it to this year, go to the same date, and do the same thing and see if your net profit is higher that means your efficiencies are higher mm -hmm. you're doing you're more efficient right yeah mm -hmm. I, I i have done those some of those analysis and what's interesting three years ago i think i had 18 employees i'm down to 11. um we are we're more profitable you know more streamlined we cut a lot of fat out of it. I mean, we got a ways to go, but I have noticed 
when I, you know, to your point, when I do those, analyze those periods, equal periods from previous years. Yeah, because I think over the last couple of years, I've really been trying to clean this up with the vision that one day I'd like to sell this thing mm-hmm. and, and just and clean it up, clean it up. Where can we get rid of stuff? Uh, so, no, I appreciate those. Appreciate that. Mike, the other thing that's really important if you're starting to think about that is not how much you sell it for, but it's how much you keep at the end. So mm-hmm. be prepared what you're going to do with that money to watch your tax liability. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of advisors out there that can help you put it in the most tax advantaged ways, whether you set up a trust, a foundation, legal um, ways to help protect you. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that you really got to be analyzing. And then personally, your own personal will for your family mm-hmm. um, should get that in order also. Mm-hmm. It's tough to say. <laughs> when no, you start hitting right. 50s, you got to have it. Because it's a mess. If you own a house and a business, it can be a real mess. Mm. I don't mean to dominate the conversation, but I'll just say this because uh, I know we're running on 20 minutes past uh, nine here. But I think this conversation for anybody who is thinking maybe buying or selling is, is is a conversation about how do you structure certain deals? You know, do you do you, I, I did have one couple approach me uh, two years ago with an interest in purchasing. And they said, well, you know, will you, can we buy 50%, you know, buy in and then work for a while and then buy out. And I'd love to hear some perspective on from, from you all, like how were deals structured? Um, I don't know enough about that uh, to, to, to comment, but I'd sure as heck like to hear, you know, some of the, some of the folks who've been through that. Well, the beauty of business is you structured any way you want. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty. And if you don't like it, you walk away from it. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. It's not like exactly. it's not like selling a residential house where mm-hmm. you come up with a listing price. And if somebody asks you that, then you need to sell it or say, no, I'm not going to do it. But business is different. I mean, if 50% of it takes all the pressure off of you, you know, and, and you want to do a workout, you say, okay, I'll work for five years at this much money. And then when that's done, the business hopefully will continue to grow and it's going to be worth more. They call that getting a second bite of the apple. Mm-hmm. Now you sell the elder half and you're probably going to make more than what you did on the first half. And you should, because the business should be growing, but it depends who you sell it to. So you have to analyze, I mean, are you selling to somebody that's going to grow the business? Or are they just going to keep it the way it is? Maybe they're buying it at for a tax write-off. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have to dump money and they're going to put it into a business for a while. So you have to make sure and vet who's buying it from you. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing is how much you're going to have after all is said and done. You know, you got to look at the tax ramifications. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Hey, other than Bill, I mean, is there anybody here who has actually bought a business or has bought the business that you're in? Or has everybody else just started started from scratch or like ended up with a family kind of a business thing? Huh? I think we're all founders. <laughs> Pretty much yeah. everybody's a founder, right? Yeah. I mean, Billy came from a family business, right? Because mm-hmm. that's a 50, 60-year-old business or, or more. Uh, rather than that, I think we're all founders. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, I, yeah, I don't know what it's like, you know, to, um, to buy into a business. Let me tell I you, though, if anyone, if anyone gets into that situation, reach out to me. I've learned a lot and I've talked to a lot of people. I'm on uh, the local college's advisory board for the School of Entrepreneurship. And there's a lot of guys that have been retired that also sit on that board. So I get some really good advice from guys that have gone through this. And there's guys that have sold 50 businesses. Mm-hmm. You know, they buy and sell businesses. They're like yeah. car brokers. They'll buy a business and then turn around and resell it. So they know what to look for. So. Hey, Bill. You know, uh, would you dissuade or would you advise somebody who wanted to sell their business to maybe make a list of companies that you that you'd maybe reach out to to and let them know that hey you're interested in selling your business you know and and i kind of made a succession plan that okay in the event of my death i wanted christina to know what she could do if she didn't want to keep this thing going mm-hmm. um and you know even our competition could be a we have one fabricator installer in town that's the only fabricator installer that we have everybody else is just an installer or you know fabrication only and i thought you know this company they don't have kind of like what you said uh have a name that associates your business with what you do like shower doors they don't have that name and to me that would be valuable to a company like that. They've got deep pockets because they've got a hell of a fabrication, you know, but there's also a bunch of other companies out there that I would think could be a good potential uh, buyers. But then if you get the word out like that, then all of a sudden, maybe through the rumor mill, people are going to start saying, Oh, they're going out of business or they're backstabbing you. And so uh, what is your opinion on on that? Uh, is it better to have a broker so everything is silent in the background, or uh, would you make it known that hey, you got you know an interest in selling? You know, every different company has different take on it because I don't know how many employees you have, Brad. But sometimes if you put it out there, the employees may want to buy the business, and that would be a good transition to. You know, I, I always try and bring employees up through the business and keep them involved. Now, I know a lot of guys would hide that from employees. Like, oh, I'm just going to sell it. And when it's done, we'll talk about it. But I like to get them involved. Mm-hmm. I like to see if they want to get some ownership together and they can go out and get money and take it over. It's a good way of doing it. It's nice and clean. But if you only have one or two and you don't think that they're going to fit the mold so they can be owners and you could have a talk with them say look at i want to try and get a buyer that you know wants to continue to grow and give you an opportunity to grow here in this business and i'm letting you know they'll appreciate that but it's a great idea to have a list so even if you went to a broker you're going to give them a list but the broker is going to open it up the, the person that buys your business may have absolutely nothing to do with shower doors they may want to bring that into, like I said, it could be a, a blind company or a California closets or um, Lowe's may want to buy your business. You know, it's just 
could be out of the out of nowhere. That's why a broker is expensive to that. And a lot of the big bankers, I don't know who you use for a bank. Be af- don't be afraid to talk to your personal banker about it, your business banker. Usually they have a whole team at the bank and they know all the industries out there. Those are also good starting points. Okay. Your bank, you should have a, a really good relationship with your bank. Everybody should. And, and you can share that to them. Say, hey, if I was to sell it, what do you think I should do? And they'll give you some, some really good opinions. Because don't forget, they want you to sell for a lot of money because they want to do something with your money. They want you to invest it with the bank or whatever you're going to do. Well, help. I, I guess then the answer is don't worry about the rumor mill and, you know. Um... No, don't. Don't worry about it. I worried about it. I was I was Mr. Showerdoor with Tom, and Tom decided not to renew anybody's license, and we all panicked that we had to change our name from Mr. Showerdoor. And we thought it was a really big deal. And, and to me, it still is a big deal, but it was seamless. The average person did not even recognize the difference that changed from Mr. to mine. It just didn't. And, and we lost a lot of night's sleep over it. We really did. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you've got a good thing. I'll tell you a really quick story. We got about three minutes. Yeah. One of the seminars I went to, and it's interesting. There was a company, and you probably all recognize this company. It's called Duraflame. They're the mm-hmm. pre-made logs that they use for eating. They wanted yep. to sell their business. It was a family business, and they went out and they tried to get people to buy it. Now you know that Duraflame has a very large retail uh, segment to it, and to get space in retail stores on the shelves, it's very, very valuable. Very valuable, but they were a seasonal item. So it was difficult for somebody to buy it and then, you know, run your business on a season. And they didn't know who to sell to. And they got a broker. They ended up selling to a company that also was a seasonal company in the off seasons. So you figure Duraflame is good for the winter, right? So who would use that same shelf space for the summer? Ended up selling their business to Kingsford, which was charcoal briquettes. And it was brilliant. They already had distribution. And all they did was the briquettes went in that same shelf space when the Dura logs went out, Dura flame logs went out. So you just never know who's going to buy it. It was a perfect tie in. Yeah. So I guess the point is, Brad, you could be getting this this best spreadsheet you could ever put together. And you'll probably end up finding a buyer that's got nothing to do with your spreadsheet Mm -hmm. because they may like your company name. They, they may like your website. They may like something about that you have that they want. You just want your shelf space. Yeah, in a retail market, that's what it was. I want the shelf yeah. space. Yeah. yeah, you know, I just personally think that being, you know, as open and um, – out out there as possible is always a good decision. I mean, it's almost always a good decision. You know, anything that I've ever done, I've tried to be um, not very secretive or close, you know, close to the best with my decisions. You know, um, I think that letting people know what you're doing, especially the people in your own organization is a smart idea, like Bill is talking about. Um, you don't really want your employees to find out through some other avenue, you know, that you're planning, you know, or you're thinking about doing something like that, in my opinion. Now, I know there's different 
um, philosophies about this and not, not that, you know, another idea is wrong. I just, um, I kind of tend to side with like Bill's outlook on this, you know, and I know sometimes like decisions I, I'm making, there are other people involved. And those are the only situations where I'm like more quiet about what I'm doing because I don't want to reveal anybody else's business, you know, because that's their business. And sometimes you're partnering with people and you want to, you know, you want to be sensitive to that. So that's important, you know, but yeah, put it out there, you know, let people know what's going on. I mean, it's like, um, well, you're doing good stuff. You got nothing to hide, you know, put it out there. And because you never know. When word gets out, it may be the most unexpected thing, like Bill's talking about, um, yeah. that works out for you, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anything else before we close? I'd say that was a pretty good talk. That was a yeah. good talk. Thank you. I appreciate all the info. Awesome. Appreciate the questions. Thanks, everybody, for, for participating. And uh, we'll see you again next Wednesday, okay? Hey, this is Chris Phillips, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. You may want to join the Shower Door Professionals group on Facebook. Just go to Facebook and search for Shower Door Pros, and you'll find us. I look forward to seeing you.